In three, two, one. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Real Spicy Podcast. My name is Gil Pedro, and this week we have, I'm going to be honest, we have a really good friend. I always say, yo, we got a special guest. Fuck that. We got, I got a really good <laughs> friend on the podcast. I uh, met him in Vegas, and this guy decided to leave me alone and went to the great, crazy fucking state of Florida. Man, what's up, Michael? Uh, AKA Kloss the Boss, because his name is Michael Kloss, so we always called him Kloss the Boss. What's up, bro? How are you? Good. Uh, Florida is just as crazy as the news says it is. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just full of crazy people. <laughs> oh, man. So, you know, so you started here in Las Vegas. You were born here. Were you born here, by the way, in Vegas? I say here because I'm in Vegas, but were you born in Vegas? No, I'm originally from Anaheim, California, but growing up, uh, we went back and forth from Vegas to California a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, and I actually like lived on the strip for a while as a kid. Uh, uh-huh. We had a little motel out there uh, that we lived on Las Vegas Boulevard. It's closed now, but yeah, it's, that's where I got my start with Vegas. You know, oh, that's where I grew up. Oh, not bad. Not bad. Hey, so. So right after college, so obviously, I, like I said, I met you in college, and then right after college, you decided to pursue a career, a pretty good career that actually gave you the opportunity to move across country. When you got into this career, bro, did you, did you know that you were going to move across country? Was it like, ah, I'm only going to do this temporarily? Like, what was it? No, I had, I had no idea, honestly. Um, I, I'm a litigation paralegal now. Um, and that's what I started in Vegas after college. Yeah. I just kind of was looking for a job and was trying to find the right fit. And I've always worked in law and, you know, law firms and did, you know, kind of some legal work. And, mm. uh, this opportunity kind of came up and I was just a paralegal. Uh, just, uh, I, I really kind of considered myself like a cockroach, if I'm honest. Mm. Uh, I would just, I, I technically was a paralegal but I would just do anything anybody wanted. I would just take the crumbs and just, just started from there. And it uh-huh. just kind of grew into, to be moving to Florida. It's, it's kind of crazy. Holy crap. Okay. Dang. So when, so now you're in Florida, how is it over there right now with, uh, with the whole coronavirus? Um, <laughs> Is it uh, so obviously everyone right now pretty much in the US is quarantined but is Florida one of those where you're supposed to be quarantined but people have this mentality like whatever I do what I want it, it kind of is <laughs> if I'm completely honest yeah. um I live in a pretty nice neighborhood now mm. and uh it's not uncommon that they actually have parties outside and uh, they'll have people play uh, music from a balcony and then yeah. you'll have like 50 people outside on the lawn watching and they're trying to stay as far apart but you know florida still has the beaches open uh we we opened up the beaches they're still partying i went down to universal studios today actually mm-hmm. and uh it, it's of course it's dead over there but you still see activity kind of around everywhere in florida uh, mm. lots of people out and about doing their thing. They're trying to practice social distancing, but you know, it's, it's kind of hard. <laughs> no, no, I, I totally agree with that. Just, you know, Florida just gets such a bad rep, but at the same time, I feel like <laughs> people from Florida have this mentality where they're like, I'm invincible and I do whatever I want. 
And we see these stories in these news. Like, I don't know, if, like when COVID or Corona first happened, um, there was like, it was the, the, the beginning of spring break. And then you had a couple of people that went on the news and like, you know, I'm not afraid of Corona. Corona's not going to stop me. You know, I just don't understand why people have to close down. If, you know, this is my spring break. I've been, you know, uh, planning this out for such a long time. And then it got backfired. You know, a lot of these people got backfired because of it. Uh, irresponsible. Also, I think at the end of the day, it comes back to, um, what's the word? Civil, civil responsibility. Um, mm -hmm. But I think a lot of the people that are on the beaches, there are a lot of young folks that feel invincible. And unfortunately, <laughs> Corona. I will say this. Uh -huh. uh, people do say it's a lot of the young folks out. I, I see a lot of the old folks out, actually. Really? <laughs> I, you know, I have a lot of people that are going to the beach. Not one of them were young. Uh -huh. um, it, it's a lot of, lot of it's, it's a mixture of people. And I think Vegas is going to feel the same thing, kind of like that Florida does. They're both towns that are built off of tourism. Yeah. And as much as people want to be like, hey, stay at home and stuff like that, um, people's livelihood, you know, relies on tourists. Oh, so, absolutely. Um, it's it's kind of it, it gets people kind of worried no i agree uh yeah i don't i mean i don't blame i don't blame them you know this is something new and and uh it's kind of scary especially you know what i've noticed that if people pe the people who are mostly afraid of all this are the people that have never struggled in their life you know this is the first <laughs> time where it's it's something new and unknown. And I've come to realize that the people that are kind of came from very humble beginnings, uh, kind of, in other words, were either raised ghetto or kind of in a low income area. <laughs> they're like, yo, this is just like another, unfortunately, this is another struggle that, that came upon us, but fuck it. Let's, let's make it work. Uh, it's very <laughs> unfortunate, but I've come to that reality. I mean, like I haven't seen like a lot, like I live in the hood and I have not seen panic buying, but then when I went to uh, a, a very predominantly high income area, like a Costco, uh, <laughs> oh my God, people were going crazy. I was like, well, what is going on? And first of all, I don't fit in, not because I'm big. I just, I, I just don't fit in. And like, oh, my, oh, oh my God, what am I doing here? And, uh, you know, people were just panicking. Uh, I don't know. Were you, were you like one of those people that were panicking at one point? Or was it like, fuck it? I, I wasn't panicking uh, too much. I, I, I you know, I, I also didn't grow up, <laughs> you know, in a well-to-do family. So, yeah. you know, struggle isn't new to me. I just kind of saw what was happening and, and I was like, well, you know, we, we've got to kind of prepare yeah. and, you know, get some stuff. And we kind of jumped on the ball a little early and picked up a Good. couple of things that we thought we would need, but um, it, it hasn't been too, too crazy. Um, you know, with us, you know, trying to like, uh, you know, like we're worried, you know, what, what's going to happen in the future, but yeah. it, you've got to just, you know, fight through it and, and hopefully it all turns out okay. No, I agree. I mean, you make the best out of it in this, these unfortunate situations, but so I want to go back to, to, to you here in Vegas. So when I first met you, I don't know what you would call it, but you've always been involved with artists, whether that be music or comedy. So tell me a little bit about in that. Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've always been a fan of comedy and yeah. growing up, I, I just think that comedy is, is 
one of the most important things. Um, no matter how hard your life is, you have yeah. to find something that's funny in it and yeah. you have to laugh your way through a lot of like pain. So I like a lot of like dark comedy, I guess, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, I, I, I've met a lot of comedians kind of, I, I would say probably through you uh, because of you. I remember in, in college one day you told me, you were like, Hey, Ralphie May is going to appear at the South Point yeah. and he's going to do this free comedy show. And we were all just broke college kids. And yeah. we, I remember we went there and it was at the Dirty at 1230 show. Yeah. And we sat front row. There's still a photo of us. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw recently where we're sitting there and we got there like three hours early. Yep. And uh, we just kind of week after week just kept going and going. And uh, we started meeting more comedians and more comedians that way. And we just kind of like got into the whole comedy world through that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, with, oh man, kind of reminded me of Ralphie May. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about him. I know that you, you had a more interaction than I did with Ralphie May, but I think if we talk about a comedian's comedian, I always think about Ralphie May. Um, he was one of the very few people in this industry who can make fun of every single culture, every single denomination, and no one, no one, even in before he passed away, that was probably the beginning of the PC culture. But even then, people were offended, but they would let it kind of, oh, yeah, just that's just Ralphie May. That's who he is. But I think that he was able to, to cross over into different cultures because he was himself and he kept it real and, and he wasn't afraid to say what was either the truth or just a very basic stereotype and just hit point after point after point where, where you know, I'll talk about Hispanics, you know, he would talk about Hispanics and you're like, yeah, we do that. Yeah, we, oh, we don't do that. No, shut. Oh, fuck. Yeah, we do that. Yeah, yeah, we definitely do that. So he was able to talk about every single, uh, about every single race and culture. And I would always say, dude, no one is safe around him because either you're going to get roasted or you're going to get burnt. All right. So he was, he was I remember the that. first night. Yeah. He, he, he actually started roasting us because we were too close in the audience. Yeah. I think we stopped sitting that close after that night. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. learned their lesson. We didn't know that sitting that close. <laughs> we just wanted to be close to the stars. We were like, yeah. oh my God, we're, we're front stage. And that was a big mistake. Dude, was... <laughs> um, not too long ago, you had the opportunity to kind of hang out with, with, Joy, no, with Joe Coy. I, I always say Joy Coy. But it's, uh, Joe. Yeah, no, Coy. I got to meet him. Uh -huh. Yeah, not not too long ago. I've got I've actually got his album right behind me. He gave yeah. it to me. Um, I just kind of reached out to him. I've been a longtime fan of his. Yeah. For for a long time. Um, he grew up in Vegas and did a lot of shows. And I kind of would see a lot of the you know the billboards and stuff. He used to go to the Hundredge Theater, which is right down the street from my high school. So yeah, I knew about him for so long and. Kim and I, uh, my wife now, but when we were like four, mm -hmm. but the only thing we could afford was like a little $5 DVD of his. So we used to yeah. watch his comedy specials all the time. Yeah. And uh, I kind of reached out to him when he was in town and I said, hey, you know, like, um, you're coming in town, can I get this signed? And he just, you know, said, yeah. And uh, that's the one kind of fortunate thing is there are a lot of like good comedians that come by. Doug Stanhope, you know, comes yeah. by all the time, stuff like that. And you can meet a lot of like, 
comedians uh, pretty easily out here. Oh, good. Yeah, is there a comedian that you that you currently follow that you like right now, or or, or has it stayed the same for the past couple of years? I think one comedian that it kind of surprised me that started making is making a comeback is probably Louis C.K. Um, his new special is uh, it's one of the best, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and it's it's a lot of dark humor, and um, I, I I think it's incredible uh, what he's been able to do. Yeah, because wasn't he a it's controversial. They kind of me tooed him the shit out of here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he got me tooed, but also he got hit with. With can- cancel culture, right? Yeah. And he survived that uh, because it turns out yeah. that I don't know. Was it true? Because I don't. I, I I never followed up, but I mean, he was able to overcome that, and then he even acknowledges I, it. It was true, and he kind of acknowledged it in special. But yeah. from kind of the stories that you hear, it, it sounds like it it was a lot more, you know, okay with everybody than than it was led on to be. Oh, okay. See, and that's actually my wife. <laughs> if you see, <laughs> we saw you crawling. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, that's uh, what I. You know what it reminded me of? I don't know if you've ever seen that BBC um, news clip. There's an interview. And this guy is talking about the economy. <laughs> and then you see this baby just walking in, strolling in. And then out of nowhere, you see a lot of people were like, that's the maid. No, um, first of all, that's racist because they only assumed that it was the maid because she was Asian. And, the, and then you see the mom just like rush through the room, grab and drag the kid. It wasn't even like, like picked her up. They just dragged the kid. Um, first of all, how did the guy maintain a straight face because i would have busted out laughing <laughs> i have no idea see i pointed it out he was able to keep a straight face i'm just like look right there is ridiculous <laughs> we see you um yeah, so yeah i know <laughs> before before we came on on a and again uh i should probably ask before but i don't know if you're if you're allowed to say but before you we came on 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 the podcast, you mentioned like, Hey, I'm gonna be a little bit behind because I'm picking up a dog. Like, okay, whatever. It's just a dog. It turns out that it's not just a dog. Uh, again, I know that there, there's a couple of things you can't say, but, but I know that dog is much more than just a dog. And it, right now, for those that are watching on YouTube, um, the dog is actually just chilling in the back, but I don't know if you're able to, yeah. I don't know if you're able to share, uh, the backstory of that dog. Yeah, so my wife's story is a lot more interesting than mine. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but she works in, you know, kind of like the movie television world. Um, yeah. She used to train tigers, actually, in yeah. Vegas for a Maddox show. Yeah. And uh, we, she, she works with some animals now, um, and this is one of the dogs right now. Yeah. Um, he's being trained for stuff, you know, and we just decided because of Corona – a lot of people are taking home some of the animals and uh, we decided to take him probably for the next couple of weeks. Okay. Um, so people decided to take animals. Y'all decided to take a normal animal. You're telling me that people took like a boa constrictor, uh, someone else took a gorilla, uh, and then an orangutan. <laughs> they have all kinds of animals. They, uh-huh. they, do have, they do have monkeys and stuff, but those, those are usually kept at a ranch. 
Uh-huh. Um, they do have like some some wild animals like uh, owls and stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, unfortunately, we can't just can't house those. <laughs> um, so, but you know, so we 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 can take a dog or two. Okay, not bad. And you you said that that dog works in movies, right? Is like a stunt double. He, he so all the dogs do movies and commercials. Yeah. Uh, this one in particular, I don't think he's done any movie gigs at the moment. But yeah. they're training him. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't know how much I can say. Yeah, but, yeah. but they're uh, training he, him. He, yeah, he's being trained for a couple couple projects. Oh, okay. That are, unfortunately are on a hiatus right now. <laughs> yeah, a lot of things are on hiatus. But look at that man. He, uh, who wouldn't thought that a, a dog would be a starving artist? <laughs> they live like kings man look at him he's just relaxing i know but but if you if you paint a picture about a dog who is in the the filming industry literally that's the definition of of if you know for those that are watching the dog is just chilling on a sofa so so you're telling me that is a starving artist couch surfing <laughs> yeah yeah, pretty, he's just a bum right now. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. So talking about, uh, you know, this is the perfect transition. I know everybody, oh, I, I really hope you watched it, um, but everybody seems to be talking about uh, Joe Exotic and how crazy his story is. Um, and then Carol Baskin is from Florida, right? She is. She's actually like in Tampa. She's not too far from here. Oh dang! So before that, before that uh, that documentary came out, uh, and then with your wife working in that industry, um, so obviously, as a good husband, I really hope you actually listened to the things she told you or in stories. Where did you guys ever have a conversation about? Um, oh, there's this crazy lady who works with tigers, you know, back, you know, down in Tampa, uh, or or there's this crazy guy, uh, Joe Exotic. Um, and you guys ever have conversations before all this came out? Yeah, I never heard about Joe Exotic until mm-hmm. kind of the documentary. But Carol Baskin, because I'm in Florida, I have heard about her. Yeah. <laughs> and they kind of did tell me that, you know, she was crazy. Because I wanted, like, my wife has worked with large cats. So I was like, oh, you know, like, let's go check out this facility. And, yeah. But the the big cat community is actually a lot smaller than people think. Yeah. And they all truly, like, the documentary does a pretty good job. Like, they all know each other. Yeah. And um, most of the people that have done big cats or anything that now do sanctuaries got their yeah. start from entertainment, regardless of what they say. Yeah, they, they were their start was entertainment, so that's kind of where they got their money. So it's it's just like a small world, and I, I've always heard that you know she she was kind of this crazy person. Yeah, <laughs> always trying to shut everyone down, but she has cats herself. So <laughs> what are you gonna do? Ah, uh, that's true. <laughs> Something that I. I... <laughs> That, that I really wanted to hit on, and I think we're, we're making a full circle back to our main conversation, is I always like to talk about the struggles and success of, of people. And, and, you know, when you came on here, like, yo, yo what the fuck am I going to talk about? I, I'm not, there's not a lot of things. Well, first of all, you and I can just have a conversation about random things and look at us. We've talked about comedy shows, comedians. We talked about uh, that bitch, Carol Baskin um <laughs> owning and, a tiger and owning tigers a, and then a movie dog behind you but now now i want to get he's into, famous man he's got a more he's got a bigger life policy than i do <laughs> kind of ridiculous <laughs> yeah. damn mine's only what you made me think uh mine's 15 grand and ever since i got that life policy 
man, I no, it's 25. It's 25 grand, which is not a lot. Ever since I got that, and now I got these cemeteries sending me like, hey, make sure that you plan out your death. Bruh, I'm 27. All right. <laughs> That's dark. Yeah. But you know, it might it might be good right now, I yeah. guess, with the whole corona. I, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm thinking like, I'm 27. Hold the phone. Give me I still got like four more years to go. No, I'm joking. No, I got I got like <laughs> I got like about twelve, uh, to be honest. Um no, no, no. Jokes aside, though, with uh, so I want to talk about pretty much the, the, the synopsis of why I want to talk with people, whether it's friends or whether it's, it's acquaintances or even strangers. You know, like uh, so far in the past, I've talked to good friends and good acquaintances. Um, but with you, yeah, you really struggled to kind of get a grasp of like, what's interesting about me? What's interesting about me? And at the end of the day, I think that we always critique ourselves the worst we're, we we are our worst critic um and i don't think that you give yourself enough credit you know there's two things that i want to hit on one we kind of dabbled into it before we started talking about comedy but it was that transition that you made from vegas to florida making that big jump um was first of all you know now now we get to talk a little bit about you know serious talk um was that difficult at first when you were given that opportunity to pretty much drop what you have here in Vegas, which would be honest, bro, you had a really good gig, you know, really good job here in Vegas, you know, with working at, you know, amazing law firm, uh, in one of the most popular, um, towers, I would say in the downtown area, uh, business towers, uh, to drop everything you had here. Also your wife, uh, drop what she had uh, to support you as well, you know, like because it's a team effort. She dropped what she had to move over there. How was that? Was it difficult? It, it was. Um, it was probably the hardest thing that we had to kind of decide to do. Um, but it kind of worked out for for both of us. Like so, in in Vegas, I was working at this law firm, and still I still work for the company. And um, I was thrown into. I, I had a ton of opportunities, you know, starting out. Luckily. I was a young, hungry guy, and I basically would work for free if I had to. I didn't care. I just wanted an opportunity. I knew I can, I can perform if I was given the opportunity. Yeah. So I was a cockroach. I would just kind of go, and you need anything. I don't care what it is. If you need toilet paper <laughs> you know, or a sub, yeah. I don't care. Scans. It, nothing was out of my scope that I would take on. Yeah. You were never and, too good uh, to do something, pretty much. Never too good. And yeah. that's, I think, something that just – has always stuck with me in my in my life and um, has been able to provide me with other opportunities yeah. to you know do other things. But I, I I was given an opportunity and my boss came to me one day uh, because I was kind of the cockroach and I would do all kinds of tasks and I started going to trial and I started becoming the trial paralegal yeah. because the older paralegals were like, hey, we've done that. I know how much work is involved. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go to trial. And they would throw me into these cases and I, I was, I, I didn't, you know, know as much as I know now, but you know, I would just do trial and, and I was the paralegal, I would sit behind, you know, in court and I would have everything and I would just try to get everything ready and, and yeah. prepare, help prepare closing statements, opening statements, everything that we needed to do, witnesses, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And my boss came to me and said, Hey, um, in Florida, we uh, have a trial that's about to start would you be interested flying out today? And I was like, Oh man, uh, a day, great opportunity. I don't yeah. mind 
flying out, you know, because I was younger, I was always like, Hey, like I want to, uh, any job that allows me to travel, I'll travel. Yeah. And I was like, that's cool. You know, I want to travel, but I don't even have a suitcase. I was like, can I leave tomorrow? And they're like, yeah, that's fine. I went in the store and I bought a suitcase. I was actually working a trial in Vegas and yeah. had to work late, went to the store before they closed, bought a suitcase. And they were like, you're going to be gone like me, maybe a week or two. It turned out to be almost two months. And I flew out to Orlando. The trial was in Jacksonville. And I ended up just being the, the main paralegal that worked that trial. And yeah. I would work from 6 a.m. until 2 a.m. And I didn't care. And I did it for two months straight every yeah. day. I think I, there was one time I was able to take a, a trip back home to, to kind of refresh. And it yeah. literally was less than 24 hours. And I just, because of the time difference, I flew home, took a nap, and then flew back to work. And it was just all kinds of crazy. And uh, working that two months, I was like, oh, I kind of like Florida. It has a lot of opportunities. My wife, she was working with Big Cats in Vegas for The Magician, mm. but I, I kind of saw where it might come to an end. And I saw where my position at my firm, you know, was, it, it wasn't as much work because of the economy crash. Mm. We worked in construction, construction defect. And because there was this stop, because of the recession, there wasn't any more homes being built. I was like, well, there's going to become a lapse in Vegas where, Yes, we have a lot of cases, but we're going to hit a point soon where there aren't as many cases. And yeah. everyone called me crazy. They're like, no, 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 we have tons of work. Like, you're working nonstop. We're flying you across the country. Like, there, there's work. I was right. It ended up being that it slowed down years later. So I, I, I called it correctly. And I talked to the, my boss now in Florida. And I was like, hey, uh, you know, you need a paralegal, obviously. He flew me out 2,000 miles away. Um, I want an opportunity. My wife can come here and work with animals easier. There's so many opportunities. Florida's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I could, I can make, you know, my wife could be Carol Baskin, the next Carol Baskin. Yeah. Own tigers if you wanted to. It's not that it's that easy, but yeah. we have a couple connections. I, I could own a tiger if I wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, we, we decided to take a leap of faith. We don't have any family or anything out here. And we were like, Let, let's come out here. Worst case scenario, we're able to explore something. It allows us to travel more. We were able to travel kind of the world and we never thought we would be able to. We went to Cuba on a cruise. Uh, we, you know, our honeymoon, we were able to just go all over Europe and stuff. Yeah. So it, it worked out and I ended up just kind of, you know, I got really lucky and, and just, I was, I was super hungry for an opportunity and yeah. just kind of sought it. Yeah, and I mean, and you're also very young too. I know the 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 industry that you're in is kind of dominated by people that are a little bit older than you and I. Uh, you know, where we're late twenties. Um, it but, is, and, and by yeah. predominantly uh, paralegals are predominantly female. Yeah, um, and it's not really male driven. Um, not young at all. Yeah. Um, they're all like middle-aged women, which is nothing wrong, but that, that industry from, from what I see, again, this is all stereotypes from what I see is middle-aged women. Um, they get paid really well, but I mean, that's, yeah. that's the demographic that are attracted to these positions. Uh, was it difficult for you to one establish yourself, um, as, as a paralegal in this firm and like, Hey, I know I'm young, but be ready. 
definitely was. Um, and that's kind of why I maintain that cockroach pers- like pers- personality or, or, you know, yeah. way of work ethic was, you know, I, I just kept having to kind of take the crumbs because um, just being so young and those people having so much experience, they didn't want to let go of anything um, that was meaningful to them or that they, you know, they just, they, they, they kind of just would ignore the younger generation and it, yeah. it, whether you're male or female, it doesn't matter. Uh, the legal industry is definitely, you know, they, they push you out of the way. And I think a part of it has to do with that generation went through the crash. So yeah. a lot of them are, yes, they have 20 years of experience as a paralegal, but they went through losing their job and how to find a new spot and are, are more likely to hold on to those things. So moving to Florida was definitely an uphill battle. And I, I, I still kind of face it, but I've been able to kind of, you know, position myself and, and, and show that, Hey, you know, it, no matter what you think you're, you know, if even, no matter if you're better, smarter than me, I'm going to work longer and harder and I'll work for free if I have to, I don't care. And at the end of the day, it, it doesn't matter to me. And I'm just going to work as hard as I need to. And I think that kind of mentality has helped me just stay in this, in this world and, and kind of work in, you know, in trials and stuff like that, you know, working from 6am, I would get up literally at 6am to mm-hmm. give people their newspaper and printed copies of, you know, junk Yeah. and make sure they were fed breakfast. And, you know, I would stay up until 2am to get ready for the next morning. And I just, I, I didn't care. And uh, no matter what I had to do, there was plenty of nights during trial that, you know, our client would surprise us during lunch. And I was like, okay, well, I have one sandwich for me. I have to give it to you and, and you're going to eat my meal and I'm going to starve for, you know, 15 hours straight. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you, you literally took the, this one I do know. Remember we're talking about uh, phrases, American phrases. Uh, this one I know very well because uh, I like to embody it, but I think you, you embody it way better than I do. And you actually went the mentality of go for broke, um, which is putting everything you got till the very end and look at you man it ended up working out for you yeah, i actually worked as a, a legal assistant for a lot of years mm-hmm. uh, when i was younger um, i was given an opportunity to work in a law firm uh in immigration it wasn't what i do now which is construction defense but yeah i was able to kind of learn learn kind of the ropes uh of the legal world mm-hmm. and when i was younger i was able I was given you know my boss was amazing and he just would take me along to all these nonprofits to do immigration work and um it it was definitely an uphill battle but I think kind of what I was able to bring to the table um was technology kind of uh side was I, I was able to help implement programs and systems that would um help the firm in different ways that they didn't you know necessarily know how to do stuff you know with softwares and programs and and you know how do we you know get everybody more on like a you know raise the bar a little bit more just on the legal side because yeah the legal world forever has been you know you know typewriters and stuff like that yeah so they haven't been too keen on on jumping on like technology and stuff like that okay uh, so you came in here to... and you came on here and kind of changed not the game, but you changed a couple of things that were a norm and you created new norms. Yeah. No, I, I definitely did. And and it actually it, it's kind of crazy. 
some of the stuff that, you know, wasn't around when I came into Florida, we didn't have everything on servers and it wasn't accessible to, you know, your home. And, you know, a lot of people didn't understand why we would do that. Like, what, what does it matter if we have a, you know, a shared drive and stuff like that? And, yeah. you know, here we are in a quarantine and, you know, our office is able to operate without a hitch because we're able to communicate from home yeah. super easy and, you know, use technology that way. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the legal world is, is definitely changing every day, but yeah, it, it's been nice. Good. <laughs> Dan has badass. Uh, you know, and then there's another story that I, I want to, that I want to bring up. And, and again, you don't give yourself enough credit on this one. You, so looking at you, you're like, Oh, you're a small dude. Um, and you've always been the small guy. Uh, but then there was like some point in your life where, where even though you were small, you, you were uh, maybe put in, in, in a, in, in a situation where, although you were small, you were unhealthy. Um, and you decided to pick up running out of all things. And I say that with disdain too, because I hate running. I hate anything that has to do with cardio, <laughs> but you picked up running and that running became like, um, therapeutic. It became therapeutic. How, how, and why, why, what made you go into running? Because it wasn't just, Hey, I'm just going to run a you know, like a mile or two. You're like, Hey, I'm going to run. Oh, I like running. And then you ended up doing a couple five K's, 10 K's. And then I believe you did a half marathon, right? Yeah. I've done a half marathon. So I'm kind of like weird when it comes to like doing the races and stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I guess it's not weird. I'm cheap. So yeah. I try not to sign up for as many of them, yeah. but I do run a lot. Um, I, I got into it through a coworker. He's really into, you know, doing running and mm -hmm. triathlons. And I was like, I, I was getting really heavy. So if anyone's watching on YouTube, um, I'm a small guy, but I'm like six foot, you know, seven, you know, tall, handsome, you know, everything <laughs> you ever wanted. <laughs> no, I was getting like really heavy and just out of shape. And I just started noticing like weird things like, because I work in an office, like my yeah. legs were starting to go numb and like it was harder to breathe. And, and it just like, I, I just started noticing my health going down and yeah. my weight was shooting up. I was like, mm. oh my God, I was like 180 at a certain point and I'm a, I'm a short guy. Yeah. And um, it, it just was, it was all kinds of bad news and I never saw myself as a runner. So I just kind of started doing it and um, it, it wasn't easy at first, but one thing that I kind of, that stuck with me, uh, I forget what runner was talking, but I, I would listen to like podcasts of them talking and they were yeah. just like, look, once you, you know, running isn't fun necessarily, but once you hit like really about like 45 minutes after that, like yeah. just something kind of kicks in and the endorphins get going and, and it yeah. just like, it, it just feels incredible. So yeah. I would do like half marathons and, you know, on the weekends I'll try to run like 10, 15 miles, something crazy like that. And I've just kind of slowly been getting into it a lot more. And I was starting to try to get into trail running. I was supposed to do that actually a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. But I, because of the whole Corona, you know, I haven't been able to. And, you know, getting into the whole ultra running is something that I've kind of wanted to look into. Just yeah. it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's crazy amount of miles. And anybody that, you know, really just, if you try, you can probably accomplish it. And there's a lot of, challenges that you're you're going to face with running that you may not realize you know even with you with weight, weightlifting i know that you know your your back went out and you're like oh my god i may never be able to walk yeah and then here you are still able to walk yeah and move 
and it, it just is it's a lot of mental hurdles that it just kind of helps push you through yeah uh, plus, uh, I'm not going to lie, a lot of the girls that run outside, I can run faster than them, and it feels really good to just run faster than them uh-huh. and beat them. <laughs> that's, that's what's up. With, <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm really slow. I'm, I'm terrible at running. <laughs> so, you, so you started because of a coworker. You started running because of a coworker, and how'd you start? Was it like, hey, I'm just going to go for a stroll? Or were you like, from Monday to Tuesday, screw it, I'm doing... 15 miles tomorrow or how did it start for you? It was really slow, a slow mm-hmm. progress. And, um, it, it was, uh, just like a, a mile or two. And I was like, look at me, man, I'm Rocky. I just ran a mile. I'm yeah. And, um, I, I think what if I can look back, what kind of pushed me to do it was they were doing this corporate 5k and our firm was doing it. And yeah. they were like, we're all going to run this 5k. And I literally couldn't do it. I, I wasn't able to move or do anything. And I was like, I, I, I can't believe I can't run a stupid 5K with you guys. Mm-hmm. This is ridiculous. It's just three miles. And I just felt so down on myself because, you know, they're older than me. And <laughs> here they are able to just like totally dominate. Yeah. And uh, I was like, okay, well, like, let, let me just give it a shot. So I would run like a mile you know, and walk in Florida, it's, it's a different kind of feat than Vegas. It, yes. It's worse. I would say it's Vegas. Humid. It's like, yeah. And it's just like, you just sweat all the time. I'm probably sweating right now in my home. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and, um, at least you don't but, have uh, the, uh, the issue that a lot of bigger people like myself, I don't know in English, but, um, it's, I think it's called a chub rub when your thighs touch and it's when you got the, um, <laughs> And then I I, I think that's what I hope it's called that. But, you know, like, so when you're when you're walking and because your your legs are chafing so much and it's so much humid and it gets funky down there. And then by the end of the day, you know, you look down at your legs and because it's so humid and you build up, you know, a ton of moisture, you look at your legs and and then how do I I mean, the easiest way to say it's probably in Spanish. You look at your legs and then, you know. You know, it's all, it's all red. And you're like, what the hell just happened? Um, that's what I noticed about Florida weather is that it, you just sweat by talking or by breathing. You're like, why am I sweating? It's so hot out here. It's mm-hmm. so bad. Like at least in Vegas, it's like turn on the AC or something, but like out here, it's just, it's so, it's insane. I, I don't know how to explain it. And it rains all the time, which is nice. But like, you're able to see like crazy wildlife, you know, like I would go on runs and stuff and I would look up and literally there's a bald eagle and you know, I have hawks outside. We have, I think it's called the white ibis or something. There's like all kinds of birds in my neighborhood. And yeah. It's just from my building at work, you know, vultures will fly by my window and it's, it's just completely insane. You know, my wife would, when she first, when we first moved here, she used to do uh, gator shows and she used to hand feed these 10 foot long alligators. It's a real thing that she would do. And I was only able to see it like twice because I, I couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she would just sit there and. In the know, swampy areas, them. right? Yeah. And it, it was so humid and it smelled horrible. I don't know how she did it. <laughs> it's called paycheck, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. She'd go out to these gators on this bank and it'd uh-huh. be like 20 of them. And that's yeah. all that you could see. And she would just, with a stick, 
push him away. Like she was like a female Joe Exotic. It was crazy. <laughs> with gators though. Yeah, so <laughs> with 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 the running though, you I mean how 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 was your progression? Did you start off with with a few miles in the beginning um, to get to that? uh 5k so we'll, we'll make two benchmarks it was the 5k and then on to the half marathon how long did it take in between for the mark? 5k i think it took it took about three months for me to run that 5k yeah i i want to say and i didn't do a good job at all mm. um but i it, it took about three months and i think the most amount of miles i was able to run training that time was about four miles yeah. And it was just like a real slow progress. And one thing I didn't realize was the importance of shoes and things like that. Um, Cause I would just run in old shoes and I was like, always oh, getting injured. And I'm like, why am I hurt? This is yeah. ridiculous. But it's like, idiot, it's your shoes. Get yeah. new shoes. Stop running in old 20 year old shoes. Like, yep. And uh, properly hydrate yourself. And it was just like a lot of like starting to run is just kind of trying to figure it out. And, and it's crazy because you have to take time off when you get injured and then yeah. to try to get that motivation to just run two miles. It's, it's, it's hard. And that, I think I ran my first 5k was in July, about three, four years ago, three years ago, yeah, two, three years ago. And, uh, it, I just got hooked. And, uh, later that year I, I ran my first half marathon and I actually injured myself in the middle of the marathon, yeah. um, I got too excited <laughs> like everyone does when they run. Yeah. And I started like trying to dodge all the people and, and swerve around them and, and try yeah. to get to the front of the line. Cause I'm like, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to win this. Get, yeah. get out of here, girls. Like I'm yeah. going to run faster. <laughs> and, uh, I ended up injuring myself around mile eight and I had to take about three months off because, uh, I, I did something to my hip and my knee. Yeah. And, uh, but it's, it's always that, you know, that, that way with running um you always kind of have to taper back a little bit and just not always push yourself mm -hmm. too too hard um and I, i've been able to gradually just I, I was scared at first to run i would only run inside on a treadmill and then i kind of would you know get injured I, I didn't know how to run right i would always get bruised toes yeah and i started growing to running outside which helped me a lot more um and you're able to adjust your speed naturally versus yeah. on a machine just tells you to run this hard and you're going to push yourself because you're going to want to run that hard. But if you're running outside, you're going to naturally just slow down and, and do what you need to do. And yeah. it, it felt, it, it's actually been a lot safer. And I kind of started getting into reading stuff like from David Goggins, Yeah, you know, his, his audio book really inspired me and made me want to run and just push myself as much as I could. So I started doing, you know, one hour, two hour, three hour runs outside. And it just got me into wanting to do trail runs. And uh, I was actually looking at, you know, maybe I'll be able to do it still this year, but I want to do, you know, you know, 25 mile runs, 50 mile runs, yeah. and maybe one day do a hundred mile run. Um, but those kinds of things, as much as it's alone and it's you running by yourself, you need a team and you oh, need people yeah. to kind of like, assist you to run these kinds of ridiculous miles yeah so it, it is definitely a goal yeah. of mine and the health benefits have been been tremendous you know yeah. I, I don't know if you can tell but i have like a 12 pack and and you know it's just amazing total since the since your very worst 
state, whether that be in weight, uh, what was, how much have you lost? I think I lost like 30, 40 pounds, man, in all honesty. Um, and it was very gradual at first, yeah. but it just kind of slipped off and it wasn't really intentional. I just wanted to be able to feel my body. And because I think a lot of the stuff that kind of motivated me to run was I saw my health gradually decline. And then I saw what happened to my father. He has diabetes mm. and he actually recently just lost his leg. Yeah, they cut his leg off because of diabetes, and it just kind of motivated me to be like, I'm not going to be like that guy. I can't just try. I, I, there's no way I'm going to let myself just, you know, when I'm 40, 50 years old, I'm not going to be able to walk. I can't. I'm going to lose my leg. Like I, I just kind of saw what could happen if I didn't start leaving, leading a healthy life. So I just kind of was like, you know what? I, I need to make a change, and I need to do something about it. And that's been a a, a huge like motivation motivational tool yeah whoa yeah i was not not see i didn't know this about you with 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 the running and you know what motivated you? i think at the end of the day everyone has has their their own motivation to do better for themselves you know there's nothing wrong with becoming a better version of yourself and i always say that i mean from personal experience losing a ton of weight um, just become a better version of yourself, whether that be losing weight, whether that be learning a, a new hobby, whether that anything, just it, it's a good thing to learn. It's a good thing to, to learn from others and to learn from yourself. You know, the, the whole premise of this entire series of, of, of that I'm trying to produce is talking about the struggles that led to success, not just talk about the success, you know, it kind of, there's this Disney movie. I should probably know the name if I'm ever going to, if I, if I'm going to start referencing, but it, it talks about, um, I really hope you know it, but it's a Disney movie. That, let's, let's play the game. Let's guess this Disney movie. What all is right. it? Is it a uh, new movie? It's a newer movie and it talks about the emotions of a little girl. And then those emotions are kind of controlling her behavior. It's, uh, I forgot the name, but um, I should probably know. I should, I should really know this. But you know, the whole premise of the of the of, of this movie, it it kind of paints into it. It paints a picture of an, uh, of emotions that go through our head, whether that be depression, uh, joy, anger, and they control. Uh, our memories, they control our motivation, things like that. And in the beginning, you had happiness, which was the emotion. You know, everyone had these emotions were were painted as characters. Uh, so you had happiness who wanted every single memory to be happiness. But the thing is, at the end, it painted a picture where memories were happy. How do you become happy is when, if you're sad you become happy. So, you know, in a sense of, 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 you know, talking about our struggles, there's no success without failure. And if you, and if you're one of the very few people in life that have become successful without failure, Hey, props to you. I mean, you're, you're one, you're in the 1%, you know, uh, Bernie talks a lot about the, uh, the, the top 10% of the 1%, um, the top two percent yeah uh, but <laughs> and you take that and it's only about four percent of those <laughs> <laughs> and so 
yeah and i think you had a you know a hard upbringing and mm. i didn't have an easy upbringing I, I lived in a motel on las vegas boulevard yeah you know when i was a kid we were homeless you know a lot and i think that kind of motivated me to be like no matter what i do i'm going to just try my hardest and you know either it's not making money my whole life i haven't made money so what do i care about that now yeah you know just give me an opportunity and I'll show you. And I think that's kind of what I was able to take and, and do with running. And I think you were able to do with, you know, your, you know, your fitness. I think everyone just has a, a struggle and, and, and success, you know, yours, um, you know, I made it my goal not to talk too much about weight loss because it gets boring. I want to talk about other people's struggles and successes. And I think you and I, with, with this, our, our struggle and success are very similar but in very different ways. And it's, it's a con concept that it's pretty difficult. You were like, most people were like, Oh, 180. That is, that is ideal. I'm over here like 300 pounds. And I'm like 180. Oh my God. I wish I was 180, but not. <laughs> I'm but, a short guy. So it wasn't, yeah. as, it wasn't as pretty. I, so, I couldn't see my feet, man. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, was the, just... that was, I mean, like I said, we were on the same pathway. Uh, well, same same destination, just very different pathway. You lost weight, uh, during, through cardio and, and running. Um, and I lost weight through uh, pumping iron, broken back and, and a weight loss surgery. So, uh, I mean, everyone had a different pathway. Yeah. And I think we're kind of motivated. We're just seeing like, you know, family members, their health decline and oh, yeah. th that stuff is just something I don't want to go through. Oh and yeah. It, it just motivated me and running has just been, it, it, it was just so yeah. therapeutic. I, I absolutely love it. And yeah. just kind of learning about the whole stuff and watching the, you know, the Olympic trials and yeah. you know, hearing people like David Goggins is just super yeah. uh, inspirational, motivational. Before um, I forget, because I, 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 I want to ask this to, to, to a runner. Have you ever hit the wall? I know you've only done a half marathon, but have you ever hit the wall? Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then can you explain uh, what the wall is to those that don't know what the wall is when it comes to uh, Your running? body shuts down. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I have, yeah. It, it basically shuts down. No, I, there's some runs that, you know, because I wanted to do ultra running um, and stuff, so you kind of have to start pushing yourself to that crazy amount of time. Yeah. And you can hit the wall literally, you know, it, run for five minutes, you know, and just run your heart out and you're going to be like, I, I can't move anymore. But yeah. it, it's just like, uh, I haven't had it to some extreme, like some, some people that I've seen, you know, like when you run like a full marathon distances like that, like you can hit the wall pretty hard and it's just your body shuts down. Yeah. They uh, shit themselves, right? Out. That's one of the, one sometimes of, you can, yeah. I haven't shit myself, yeah. but I've gotten, <laughs> I've gotten close. <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> but you know, I would try to run like, I think my longest run was about three, four, four hours and, yeah. and your body just kind of gives out, especially with this kind of heat. You got to be very careful when you run yeah. to properly hydrate yourself. And, you see a lot of people that run, you know, without a water bottle. I always have water on me at all times where I yeah. run. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, everyone thinks, well, you're not supposed to, you know, I, if I want to run a lot, you know, I can't eat or, you know, you've got to actually uh, consume food while you run. Yeah. You know, you, there are, you know, gels and stuff like that that you need to take. Well, yeah. if you're going to do a crazy amount of distance, your body, yeah. body can do about a, 
half marathon on its own if yeah. you properly train it to do so. Yeah. However, you know, if you want to do a full marathon on your own, just up, a, you know, on your own, unless you're like David Goggins, you're probably not going to do that yeah. or be able to do those kinds of crazy miles. So you have to, you know, just kind of properly, properly take the, you know, certain amount of foods and water and hydrate yourself or else your body is going to crash and you can very easily die from that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, no. I mean, yeah, I, I believe it. That's, that's it. Cause then you're pushing your body to, to an extreme. Dang, man. See, I'm telling it's you. It's extreme, but it, 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 when you see somebody running, you're not like, wow, that's extreme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then when you look into it and you, you dive a little bit deeper. You start doing it. You're like, that guy's been running for 14 hours. Yeah. <laughs> that's extreme. Um, but yeah, man, you know, I, uh, dude, I just want to thank you so much, man, for, for being on the podcast today. And you, you said you were nervous. Like, what the fuck are we going to talk about? Dude, there's so many things you want that we can talk about. Um, but I just wanted to focus today. You, you, you asshole, you try to reverse it on me and interview me. <laughs> you're interesting. And I think your fans are going to agree if they watch this part yeah. and get to here, they're going to be like, look, go, whatever I see you or anyone see, I, yeah. we just light up. It's motherfucking oh. Gil. Oh, like, it, you're just, it's just an amazing, like you're, you're an amazing presence. And I think your fans want to know uh, yeah. more about you. And I think, you discredit yourself a little bit because you're a big personality. And I think a lot of people gravitate to you naturally. Uh, thank you, bro. I do appreciate that. Uh, before we end this, man, is there anything you want to plug in? Is there social media? I don't know if you're still into social media that you want to plug in. I'm on social media, uh, just Michael Kloss. Yeah, you can kind of find me. I think yeah. my wife's Instagram is a lot more interesting. Yeah. Uh, oh, we're going to have her. We're going to have her as a guest uh, in, in the upcoming weeks, man. Believe that. Yeah, she doesn't know it the, yet, but she will. <laughs> she's a lot more interesting. Uh, she's, you know, hand-fed tigers and alligators and, yeah. and crocs and jaguars and owls. You, you name it, dude. That she's wild. Yeah. So Michael Claus. Uh, Carol Baskin. Uh, so Michael Claus on Instagram. Mm -hmm. uh, Michael Claus on Instagram. Perfect. I'll make sure to put that in the description. Uh, but guys, I want to thank everybody uh, for listening to the Real Spicy podcast. You can check us out on Google, Apple and spotify uh as well as you can watch uh, what to uh, wait damn i had a phrase ready you can watch with your eyes what you heard with your ears on youtube uh every thursday and on the podcast every wednesday at 4 p.m uh thank you so much for listening guys uh i'm very excited uh for what the future has to hold for both of us and for the future of this podcast because it's only going to get better guys um, thank you so much for watching and on that I'm out.